welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab, or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, continues with part three of his series, Heaven and Earth. Good morning, Faith Church. All right, how's it going, everybody? Anybody have a late night watching a fight? Yeah, see, all the people that watch it ain't here. Home's still sleeping. We, uh, I, I'm normally, man, hunkered down pretty early on Saturdays, but we did stay up late with some friends watching the fight last night. It was a good fight. But I'm prepared, ready to preach today, but ultimately today is about Jesus. Can we give God just some love? Every hand clapping, can we just give it up for Jesus today? Well, listen, we um, are continuing a series that we started um, a couple weeks ago entitled Heaven and Earth. And here's the big idea is that Jesus, as he went out and he preached, his idea and kind of his message was not that God loved us. I mean, that is a message. That is something that Jesus taught. That is something that we hang on to. But when we read the Gospels, when we read the history and the story of Jesus, what we find is that as Jesus went out, that the message of Jesus was the kingdom. Like that was his message. In fact, over and over and over again, you hear this idea, you hear the term, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's used over 100 times. So you find that Jesus goes out and he goes out and he preaches the good news of the kingdom. In fact, when he sent his disciples out, he sent his followers out to preach the same way he preached. The Bible tells us that they went out and you know what they preached? They preached the kingdom. Come on, everybody say the kingdom. The Apostle Paul, the most prolific teacher at that time, was a huge spearhead to establish the New Testament church after the, uh, the, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the book of Acts is kind of the history book of the New Testament, and it records very clearly the, the message of Paul. You know what it was? It was the kingdom. So if the message of Jesus, if the message of the church, if the message of kind of Christianity, it's, it's not that God loves us. He does. He does. But if the message really is the kingdom and we call ourselves Christ followers, it's important that we find out, like, what is the kingdom? If that's the message of Jesus, if that's what he preached, that's what he talked about, it's really on us to discover what that was. Again, because it dominated the conversation of Jesus. He would teach things like this. He would say, listen, the kingdom of God, you seek it first. Like, it's our highest priority. It's the thing that we chase. It's the thing that we pursue. Like, we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He tells us things like this, that the kingdom of God, it's at hand. It's like it's not this thing we're going to get to one day. It's not one day you die and go to heaven and that's the kingdom. No, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. He said things like this, that the kingdom was not observable. It wasn't something that you could look at or grab a hold of. It wasn't something that was on a geopolitical map. So the kingdom of God, when you ask the question like, what is it? What is this? What is this idea? It's ultimately, again, that the kingdom of God is not this military advancement of God. It's not this political advancement or agenda that God has. That ultimately, the, the, as the kingdom of God advances, that there is a king, Christ, that there is his reign, his rule that we surrender ourselves to. And the kingdom of God advancing is when God gets in the hearts and the lives of people. 
and transforms who we are, how we live, how we interact in this world, and ultimately that as his kingdom comes and invades not nations, not political systems, but people. And so, again, it's this, it's this, it's this redemptive reign of Christ that ultimately what Jesus did is changing and transforming lives. And so it's a big idea. In fact, if you were here week one, we talked a little bit about it, and we find that Jesus, in Matthew, just Matthew 13, he teaches seven parables. Seven parables. A parable is teaching something, using something familiar to teach something unfamiliar, something that we're familiar with to teach something spiritual. And Jesus, he teaches seven parables in Matthew chapter 13, all of it around this idea of the kingdom. Come on, y'all shout that, the kingdom. And so this idea of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, he jumps into Matthew chapter 13 and he tells a story of this farmer who goes out sowing seed. And as he sows seed, it lands on four different types of soil and depending on the type of soil determines how big the harvest is or how big the crop is that comes in. And ultimately, he tells us, like, what does that mean, Jesus? What are you trying to teach us? And he says that, that he is, he's the farmer, and he's going out sowing seed. And the seed, you know what the seed is? It's the message of the kingdom. And he says, he says as this message of the kingdom goes out, it lands on the hearts of men and women, of boys and girls, of people. And depending on how your heart is, if it's hard, if it's filled with distractions, or if it's really surrendered and open, determines the harvest. And the harvest is life change. And ultimately, he's, his idea is this. Hey, as he's teaching, he's not looking to give people information. He wants you and I to experience a transformation. He's not just trying to give us a revelation of head knowledge, but he's trying to get us to experience a revolution in our heart and in our lives. And then he goes on, and I talked about two of those parables in week one, and Jesus says the kingdom of God, it's like, it's like the smallest mustard seed, and you plant it in the ground, and it grows the biggest tree, and it takes over the garden. Or the kingdom of God, it's like a little bit of yeast. And you put it in a, in a batch of dough and it takes over the whole bread. And here's what we got away from week one. Is that when the kingdom of God is a part of your life, it will slowly and surely overtake your life. Which means that like this whole thing that we do is not about just showing up on a Sunday morning, getting a message and going home and doing whatever we want, living however we want. That ultimately this idea is that as you open your heart up, not to that God loves you, but the message of the kingdom, that when God gets in your life, as you surrender your heart and your life to his reign and his rule, it's going to take over every area. How you treat people, how you handle your money, how you interact in relationships, how you run your business, how you run your home, it all comes back to God's kingdom slowly and surely taking over your life. And so that's a huge idea. Today, I want to jump in this way. How many people know that there are some people that spend ridiculous sums of money on ridiculous things? Now, you might be one of these because I found myself in this very conversation this week. Um, I've seen a couple of things. Maybe you guys remember this. I've seen this on the news several years ago. That there was a lady who made a grilled cheese sandwich for herself. And when she picked the grilled cheese sandwich up to eat it, right there on the golden, buttery, crispy, cheesy bread <laughs> literally was a picture of a person looking back at her. And she looked at it, and this was her description. She had a spiritual moment as she seen the picture of Virgin Mary in the buttery bread. And it was such a great experience, she posted it on eBay and sold the grilled cheese sandwich for $28,000. Now, y'all don't seem stunned by that because you must have more money than I do. $28,000 for a grilled cheese sandwich. That's ridiculous. That's crazy. I mean, who would ever pay something like that? Here's another one. Another guy, he opened up a bag of Doritos, 
and found in a bag of Doritos a Dorito that looked like the Pope's hat, and he sold it on eBay for $1,200. I'm just telling you, Catholics are some diehard people. <laughs> the Beebs, Justin Bieber, uh, someone had reported on eBay, it actually sold, someone had a clipping of his hair and sold for $40,000. Now listen, $40,000, he better fly me to the Bahamas, and we are like, we get best friend tattoos and hang out for a week for $40,000. But this is true. This is true. So I was looking through, and some of you guys remember this. Is anybody a fan of the Twinkie? Now, come, anybody, come on. Like, woo. So 2012, devastating news came out, raided the Internet that Hostess was shutting down. My heart sunk. My life was changed forever. And I like Twinkies because, listen, two things. Number one, angel food cake. I mean, it has angel in it. How can you go wrong? And a creamy white center. Anything with a creamy white center is a win. I had not had Twinkies in a long time, when, but when I heard I may never not be able to have another one again, you know what I did? I went to eBay and I thought, I better buy some because the stores have been raided. This is absolutely true. So someone, someone sold 10 boxes of Twinkies for $59 in 2012. I'm just going to tell you, I almost was that guy that was in that article. <laughs> I just got out bit. Anybody here want a Twinkie? Y'all can eat these right in church. You can't do that anywhere else. So, <laughs> but you look at, you say, who would spend $28,000 for a grilled cheese sandwich? Who would spend $1,200 for a Dorito? Who would spend $60 on 10 boxes of Twinkies? And here's the thing, and we all know this is true in every area of life. Watch this. That the value of something is determined by what someone's willing to pay. Like, that's just it. If you say, hey, what's this worth to you? What it's worth to you may not be what it's worth to me. And what I'm willing to pay for something may not be what you're willing to pay for. What determines the value of something just comes down to how much is someone willing to pay. Now, let me just break it down because we may not buy $28,000 grilled cheese sandwiches or $1,200 Doritos, but here's what you and I will buy. We'll buy $2.50 bottles of water from convenience stores when it costs $1.50 to purify 10,000 gallons of water. Sucker. <laughs> but you know why we'll buy it? We'll buy it because we think it's a, it's a fair trade. We think the value is there. Here's another thing, right? $6 uh, grande Starbucks. Come on. Now, you know what? I'm just telling you, I'm a Starbucks fan. You can, you can take all my money. Just give me some Starbucks. Here's another one. Going to the movies. Now, here's what's funny about going to the movies is everybody knows when you go to the movies, you are coming up with your pocket light. And I already know it, and I'm complaining as I pulled into the parking lot. And I go up, even though I already know what the ticket prices are, my wife and I will go to the movies, and I pay for it, and I walk away every time like, $26? Are you kidding me? We could have went to Redbox and got 26 movies. <laughs> but then you go in, and you can't watch a movie without getting some corn. And if you get some popcorn, you got it, you, right? You got to wash it down with something. And even though my wife will share my spit, she will not share my straw. So you got to get two, and they got to deal two large drinks and a large popcorn. It's like $26. And they're, now I just got, just got to tell you, there's a business model behind it. They have to charge that because all the ticket prices go out to Hollywood. But I'm going to be honest. I don't like paying for it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't know how you guys sleep at night. This is highway robbery. $26? Throw in a box of the milk does too. I mean, it's like, <laughs> but why? I mean, some of you, you won't pay that because you think, hey, it's just not worth it. I will pay it because to me, 
right? It's, it's, it has that kind of value. To go have a night with my wife, watch a movie I want, it has that kind of value. Here's another one. There was a time, some of you guys are not, um, not old enough to remember this. Some of us come from this generation and beyond. We remember the time before there were cell phone bills. Now a cell phone bill, especially if you have a family like me, a cell phone bill today is kind of like a small, a small mortgage payment. Like you could get a, you can have a cell phone or a house. Which is it? Why in the world would anybody pay? Come on, I mean, especially if you got some stuff going on and you went over your dad or you went over your minutes or whatever it is, all of a sudden you have a four, five, six. I've had $700 cell phone bills. I go home and want to kill some kids. <laughs> but why do I pay it? It's because there is a value that I think is worth it to carry a mobile device to reach anybody anywhere around the world at any moment. So again, it comes back to this really big idea, but here's where I want us to go today. And I want everybody, if you don't take anything away from today, I want you to hear this. Everybody here say this with me. Salvation is free and costs you nothing, but following Jesus will cost you everything. Like this is such a big idea. Salvation is free and costs you nothing, but following Jesus will cost you everything. Now, I just want to be really clear here on the front end because I don't want anybody walking out. I don't want anybody quoting me on Twitter. I don't want anybody sending me emails that Pastor Steve or Faith Church teaches you have to earn your salvation, I want to be very clear on the front part that we believe, we believe Scripture is very clear and teaches that salvation is free. In fact, let me just make sure we own this together. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Come on, why? Because it's a gift from God. And salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So we're clear, salvation, the idea that God saves us, that God forgives us, that God makes us his children, you can never earn that by being a good person. You can't do enough good deeds. The idea clearly taught throughout the New Testament is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, it was sort of the sacrifice of the sins of humanity. That ultimately that action came, that he said this, he said, I came to be a ransom for your sin. That Jesus died for us to give us something we could never earn, and that is salvation. But here's what we know, and this is, this is what you know, and we figured this out along the way, that you start coming to church and, right, you hear preachers like me talk and you hear people teach and tell you, hey, salvation's free. And a lot of us in this room, we've made the decision to receive the free gift of salvation. And people tell us it's free, but somewhere along the way, we start to realize maybe it's not so free after all. Because following Jesus, serving God, opening up your heart to the king, all of a sudden it starts to cost you something. Because you have found out and I have found out that as you follow Christ, as you open up your heart, as you hear messages, as you read your Bible, that there's things that God wants you to walk away from and there's things God wants you to walk to. There's things God wants you to leave behind and there's things God wants us to grab a hold of. Come on, anybody. There's things God wants us to sacrifice and there's things God wants us to embrace. That the longer you follow Jesus, you find out that there really is, there is, uh, there's really is like this list of things. There are some do's. And there are some don'ts. In fact, Paul, he says things like this. He says, hey, talking about our life before we accepted the gift of salvation, before we started following Jesus, he says, hey, for you that used to gossip and tear people down with your words, that's how you used to live. He says, but now I want you to use your, use your mouth to speak truth and love. Use your mouth to build people up. So it's kind of like, hey, I don't want you to live this way. I want you to live this way. Paul says things like this. To you that used to steal, don't steal anymore, but now give. 
Don't be a taker, be a giver. And so it's this idea, again, is that you follow Christ, as you accept the free gift of salvation, it starts to cost you something in the way you live, in the choices you make, in how you interact in this world. For a lot of us, especially in the church in America, like sometimes we miss this. There's this disconnect that we think we can believe and it doesn't change how we behave. And I'm just telling you, the idea of sitting, of showing up, sitting down, listening to a message and going home unchanged is incompatible with the New Testament message of the kingdom of God. That it's very clearly taught that while the gospel is, is ultimately free, it's costly. That again, salvation is free and costs you nothing. But following Jesus will cost you everything. Now, let me just make this real plain because this is an illustration I think a lot of us will get. It's this idea of free puppies. If you ever drove down the street and seen a free puppy sign, that sign's from the devil. He hung it himself because there is no such thing in this world as free puppies. Come on, somebody got to help me now. Listen, we ain't talk, this is not a chat on animals because I am not a cat person. Come on, it's all about dogs. All dogs go to heaven. I'm just telling you, that's straight out of Disney. You can't argue with Disney. So we have a dog in our house, and because just like some of you parents, like we gave in to our kids, please get me a puppy. I'll feed it. I'll take it out. You won't have to do anything. With it. They lie just as much as the sign lies. <laughs> so we went, I don't know. I, can't, I look back, and I think, how, how did they do it? Somehow my kids did some voodoo magic on me. I don't know what they did, but... They suckered us not into one, but two. We went and got, we walked away with two puppies. We looked at each other driving home. My wife and like, how did they do that? Like, we don't even let, like, we don't even let them talk to me more because we don't want them casting any more spells on us or whatever they did. <laughs> two puppies. And here's what we found out is this, is that, you know what the sign said, free puppy? It was true. We didn't pay one dime for that puppy. But how many people know that there are a lot of things in this life that are free but are costly? Puppies are one of them. We didn't pay a dime for that puppy, but I'm just telling you, in order to have a puppy, it costs you money in food, money in vet bills. If you go on vacation, you can't take the dog. You got to kennel the dog, and that costs money. And not just money, it takes time. Like my, my kids, even though they swore up and down, we'll take care of you. You won't have to do anything. They lied. They don't ever feed that dog. We have to continue to tell them every day, you have to feed the dog. Feeding the dog isn't just going to buy a bag of food and stick it in the garage. He does not have opposable thumbs. He can't open the bag. You got to get food and stick it in his bowl. And not once a week, every day. You like to eat every day, don't you? He so does he. You have to put water in his bowl every day because he likes to, you like to drink, don't you? My son's like, yes. Well, go, you got to get him something to drink. So here's what we found out is that puppy, it was free. But it's incredibly costly time and money and you got to pet the dog you just can't kick the dog you have to pet the dog you have to show the dog some affection so I want everybody to hear this because this is a really big idea that Jesus teaches so clearly salvation is free costs you nothing but following Jesus will cost you everything that there are things in this world that while it's free is incredibly costly and the kingdom of God is absolutely the premier example of something that's free but it's costly. In fact, this is what Jesus says in two more of the parables taught in Matthew chapter 13. Again, this idea of parable is a simile. It's a metaphor. It's a comparison between something we're familiar with with something we're unfamiliar with. That Jesus is taking things that everyday people knew about and teaching something spiritual. And here's what he says. Come on, every voice, I want you to read this with me. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure 
that a man discovered hidden in a field. Now, let me just stop right here. I want you to notice what he says. He says the kingdom of God is like what? Treasure. Like some of you grew up, and this is the last thing you think about God and his kingdom and his way of doing. Like maybe your idea of God and the kingdom or his way of doing is that God is this big, grumpy old man in the sky and He's just mad at the world about everything, and he's just waiting for you to mess up, to strike you with lightning from heaven, and that God is just a list of rules of what you do and don't do. I want you to know Jesus in trying to help us to understand what the kingdom was like, what God's rulership is like, what his, him as the king is like, is that it's a treasure. And I'm just telling you, it is the greatest treasure you will ever discover, ever pursue, ever find, ever embrace in this life. It is the kingdom of God. It's like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement. Come on, watch this. He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Here's a second parable, very similar to the first. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. So both of it's very much the same that in one, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The other, it's like choice pearls. And also, just like the first and second is true, he says, when this guy, when he discovered the pearl of great value, come on, read it with me, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Like, here's the big idea that Jesus is trying to get us to understand about what the kingdom is and what it's like. The message is that the kingdom is valuable and costly. Like, this idea of following Jesus, of being a God follower, of being a Christ follower, not a Sunday morning Christian, but really following Christ and surrendering your life to him, that this idea is, again, it's valuable. And we are a people of value. Think about all the things you do in your day, in your life, about pursuing value. People go to school to chase degrees, and they put themselves in student debt, and they spend four, sometimes five, six, seven, eight years in school, not because they're trying to be doctors, they're just slow. But they're there and they go to campus and they buy books and they do the deal. Do you know why? Because a lot of us teach and this society teaches, and it's true, that there's value to having a degree. And so we chase it and we, we invest an incredible amount of money and time because we believe there's value in a degree. And we believe there's value in relationships and there's value in money and there's value in all this stuff that we chase in this world. Man, we are pursuing things only because we think they're valuable. You don't pursue stuff that you don't think have value. We chase things that feel like either have value or add value to us. And what Jesus is saying right out of the gate is, listen, the kingdom of God is more valuable than anything this world has to offer. And the reason some of us don't buy in to the kingdom of God, the reason some of us don't surrender to the kingdom of God, the reason some of us don't really purchase or pay the price to be a part of the kingdom of God is what I told us earlier because you only pay for something if you really believe it's valuable. And so what Jesus is trying to get us to buy into is, hey, listen, I want you to know, listen, the, the greatest thing you will ever pursue, the greatest thing you could ever own, the greatest thing you could ever participate in is the kingdom of God. It is valuable, but watch this, it is what? It's costly. Again, we wrestle with this idea because, again, we're taught in church that the gospel's free, that salvation's free, and it is, it is, it is, it is, but... It's incredibly costly. In fact, there's a lot of things in this world that are costly that you can never buy. Let me give you a couple examples. Having a spouse that loves you in an incredible marriage, you can never buy it, but it costs you if you want to have it. 
right? I mean, imagine if you could go buy a great marriage. Come on, some of you would be lined up around the block instead of calling me to help you out. Like, I would love you to get, listen, you need to go to the marriage store and get the, on the hookup. But there's no store. Do you know why? You can't buy a great marriage. But I'm telling you, if you want a great marriage, it's going to cost you something. It costs you sacrificing for your partner. Instead of focusing on what they've done for you, what you can do for them. Instead of focusing on how they filled your cup, how you can fill their cup. Well, you haven't done for me. You have not slept with me. You've not given to me. Instead, God calls us to sacrifice for our partners. And when I give to my wife, when I love my wife, I'm just telling you, even though it costs me something, it's worth it because it buys me a marriage I can never purchase with money. The honor of my children. You know the honor of my children? I can't buy honor in a store, but it cost me something to have it. It cost me character. It cost me integrity. That as my children watch me and as your children watch you, as they look at us live our lives, how we treat people, how we make decisions, what we allow in our home, do you know what I'm doing? It cost me something, but I am actually buying the honor of my kids. I can't purchase it in a store, but it cost me something. Friends, we tell our kids all the time, it takes a friend to make a friend. You want to be a friend, be friendly. That doesn't just mean smile and be nice. That means you got to sacrifice for friends. If you want friends to sacrifice for you. So I can never buy it. Like there's not a friend store. Like you can't go to Best Buy, GameStop, and the friend store unless you want an inanimate object, and then we need to talk. <laughs> but you can't go to the friend store. But I'm telling you, if you want a friend, it costs you something to have friends. The respect of coworkers. You want to show up at work and get a paycheck, that's great. But if you want the respect of coworkers, it's going to cost you something to have it. And so this idea in our minds, it seems like it doesn't fit. How can something be free but cost us something? But whether it's puppies or marriages, we live this idea every day. And this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, there's a guy. In the kingdom of God, it's like a treasure. And when the guy found the treasure, come on, he sold everything he had to get it. The kingdom of God, loving God, following God, serving God, it's like a choice pearl. And when a guy found it, he sold everything he had to purchase it. The apostle Paul, he, he had a lot of things that you and I chase. Like he had, he had prestige, he had titles, he had degrees, he had education, he had money, he had importance, he had wealth. He had all the stuff that a lot of us in this room that we elevate and we value and we chase. And when he made a decision and he had an encounter with Christ and he gave up everything to follow Christ, he looked back at the stuff that he used to look forward to and say, I want that. Once he got it to the other side and looked back and said, I had that, but now I had Christ, he compared the two and this is what he said. Watch this. He said this in Philippians chapter three. Everyone read this. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is Come on, y'all got to shout it, is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Again, he's, he's like getting this, this big idea, and he's saying, listen, all the stuff I thought was important, all the stuff in this world I thought was valuable, it's really not when, when you compare it to, to knowing Christ and loving God and serving God. All the stuff I once wanted and I once owned and I once possessed, I was willing to give it all up. Not because salvation costs me something. Salvation's free. But salvation or uh, following Christ costs me something. In fact, he says this. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. 
Again, it's this idea, and I want you to notice he's, he's comparing things. He's, he's looking at the two things. The one thing that he thought was valuable in, in, the, in the kingdom, knowing God, serving God, and he's saying, when I hold him up, he said, I realize that, man, this stuff I thought was so valuable is not so valuable. Again, cell phone service is really important to me. Probably like a lot of you in this room, I have my cell phone in my hand probably 15 hours a day. The other seven hours a day or eight hours a day or whatever, well, there's only 24 hours in a day, just y'all do the math. The other hours a day, if it's within reach, it's on my nightstand, it's within reach. The only time it's not by me is when I'm on it and I think I lost it. Anybody else ever do this like, wait, hold on a minute, I don't know where my cell phone is. That's happened to me. But I'm just as incredibly valuable as that is, if somebody kidnapped one of my kids and called me and said, if you want your kid back, you got to give me your iPhone. That would depend on which kid it is. <laughs> it would certainly depend on the day of the week. Let's be honest. Come on, parents. Can you give me an amen? Come on. No, really. I mean, in that moment, even though that thing seems so valuable for the life of my child, for the life of my kid, like that's meaningless. Like, I, okay, like you can have it. If a doctor diagnosed me with a disease that was going to take my life, and he said, listen, but if you'll never drink Starbucks coffee again, you'll live out a long and healthy life. Like all of a sudden, what seems so valuable, like, okay, you win. Like in comparison, there's really no comparison. And what Jesus is saying, come on, guys, you got to get this. He's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, there's going to be lots of things that jump in your line of life. There's going to be lots of things that jump in your path and get on your journey. And you're going to want to follow them and pursue them. You're going to chase relationships and you're going to chase decisions. And there's going to be times you're going to have business deals and you're going to have to choose, even though that's dishonest and it'll put you ahead on your bottom line. Is it worth it? Because at times you're going to have to sacrifice relationships. You're going to have to sacrifice contracts. You're going to have to sacrifice things in this world. And you're going to feel like your bottom line is devaluing. He says, but if you're doing it for the the kingdom. It's worth giving up everything in this world to purchase the kingdom. You're not buying it, but you're paying the price to participate in something that Christ purchased for us. Salvation is free and costs you nothing, but following Jesus will cost you everything. In fact, here's the way Jesus said it. Jesus said, come on, read this with me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. Again, he's, he's kind of wrecking this theology that we have today in the church, that you can believe and not behave, that you can think something and not change the way you live. And Jesus said, no, no, if you're going to believe I'm the Lord and Savior of your life, if you really believe that I'm the Christ, if you really believe what you say you believe, it's going to transform. What you believe will change how you live. That when the kingdom gets into your life, it will slowly and surely take over your life. He goes on, he says this, watch. And if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. He's saying there's a time, this is the big idea. He's saying sometimes holding on to both are incompatible. If you want the kingdom of God, sometimes you're going to have to let go of the kingdom of this world. To get a hold of everything that God has for you. And listen, I'm telling you, he says it's a valuable treasure. 
to get the life that he has for you, to get the value that he has for you, to get the meaning of life that he has for you, to get the joy that this world can never give, to get the peace that the things of this world, I'm telling you, will run from, to get what God has for you. There are times that you will have to make difficult decisions to give things up, to walk away from things, to embrace things, to engage in things. That Listen, but it is a trade-off, and if you overestimate this world, you will underestimate the kingdom of God, even though Jesus said it is the most valuable thing that you can ever purchase or possess. It's worth people selling all that they have to be able to purchase the pearl of great price, to be able to buy the treasure hidden in the field, to have and to walk with Christ and to be his follower. It's worth everything. And so there are times and there are ideas that ultimately, ultimately, we can't have it all. You'll never pay the price if you don't see the value. You'll never pay the price if you don't see the value. Every day, and I'm just going to tell you, in my life too, I don't always get it right. I struggle. I make mistakes. And I'm telling you, the mistakes I make, it's at times when I lose my focus and I overestimate the value of things in this world. And I start buying in. I start overbuying. And it starts costing me in my relationship. It starts costing me in my walk with God. When I come back and say, man, it's worth it. 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 I'm telling you, it's worth it. I may make people unhappy, but it's worth it. Everyone in this world may not pat me on the back, but if I'm pleasing God, it's worth it. If we live our life for an audience of one, it's worth it. And so this idea, again, Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to know that the kingdom of God, it's like a mustard seed and it's like a little bit of yeast. It only takes a little bit. When it gets in, it takes over. The kingdom of God is like a treasure and a choice pearl that if you want it, it's going to cost you everything. You're not buying salvation. That's free. Following Jesus, it's going to cost you something. So here's the question. What is it in your life? What is it in your journey that you know, man, God's been putting his finger on? God's been been pointing it out. And you know it's going to cost you something. You've been struggling with life decisions. You've been struggling with relationships. You've been struggling with habits. And you're just having a hard time either embracing something new or letting go of something old. I'm telling you, what will help you make that transition, what will help you make that jump is for you to overestimate or not overestimate the things of this world and make sure you never underestimate the value of the kingdom. Real quick, got just a couple minutes. I want to hit this last one because Jesus, right on the back end of these two parables, he tells a third one, and it's really important to who we are as a church. Watch this. I want every voice, come on, everyone here, read this with me. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. You got to say this, every voice, caught fish of, it's important. He says, and when the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know that's a difficult topic. We've talked about it here. I've very clearly taught and preached on this big idea and the subject of heaven and hell. But here's what I want you to get today is Jesus said, you know what the kingdom's like? The kingdom is like a big fishing net. And fishermen, they throw that big fishing net off the back of a boat. And what do they catch? They catch fish of what? Every kind. 
when some of the first disciples started following Jesus, you know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And here we are still today, and you and I, we're called to be fishers of men, which means we invest our relationships, we, in, we leverage who we are in relationships to help bring other people to Christ. I want everybody here to know this. If you're a student on a campus, if you are a worker in the workplace, if you're a mom in a home, if you're a dad in a community, wherever you are, every relationship you have, God has ultimately put you in that place to leverage that relationship to win people to Christ. You might get a paycheck while you're there, that's a win. You might have friends while you're there, that's a win. You might have fun in your bowling league while you're there, that's all a win. But at the end of the day, every relationship you and I have, God has put you there to leverage who you are to win people to Christ. God's called us to be fishers of men. But here's what I want you to know is, there are way too many people that are fishing with fishing poles and not nets. There are way too many churches that are fishing with fishing poles and not nets. Because I want to catch me another white, middle-aged Republican. Because I want to catch somebody who's just like me, who believes just like me, who behaves just like me. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said the kingdom of God is a net. See, and the challenge is we think it's up to us to sort everybody out. It's not. I'm going to leave it up to God. At the end, I trust him in his wisdom, in his mercy, in his grace, and in his justice. Let him sort out who's the hypocrite and who's not. You can't judge a heart and neither can I. Let him sort out who's for real and who's playing the church game. Let him sort out. Until then, me and my life in Faith Church, we're going to be a church that fishes with nets. Everybody fishes of every kind, let them come. In two weeks, we launch our fall launch series. It's a great opportunity for you. I know it might be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. To leverage your relationships to reach people who are far from God. Just invite them to come. And we're believing two weeks from today as we start a brand new series, Hashtag Man Life, that God's going to change marriages, transform homes, change the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. And we're going to see more and more people not follow Christ, but get invaded by the kingdom of God. And I just want to invite you to participate, not in fishing with the pole. See, again, we want, we want people to believe the way we believe. Like, I'm just telling you, listen, you know what? Here's, here's the crazy idea why. Some of you are going to get uncomfortable the longer I talk. So it's okay. Blow on it. See, God doesn't just love Republicans. He loves Democrats and Independent and Green Party. Oh, I'm not done yet. He likes socialists too. He even loves communists. Now, I'm not asking you to agree with their political affiliation. I'm just telling you, God loves them as much as he loves you. He paid the same price for them as he paid for you. Span the entire paradigm of the sexual spectrum. I'm not asking you to agree with them because I'm just telling you, There are things that God does not agree with and does not approve with. But he still loves them. And if he'll get them in the net, he'll do the same thing in them the way he's done in me and the way he's done in you. Let God change hearts. You can't change a heart. But I want to be a church that fishes with the net and not with the pole. Does anybody here want to be that? So this idea, right, as Jesus balances this out, he's saying, listen, this thing's incredibly personal, 
but it's also global. It's about the individual, but it's also about everybody. It's not just about the human being, it's about the entire human race. So let the kingdom of God in you and let the kingdom of God in us. And if we let the kingdom of God in, it will slowly and surely take over our lives and take over our church, but it's not gonna be free. It's gonna cost us something because while salvation is free and costs you nothing, following Jesus will cost you everything. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. I pray that God, you'll let the big idea of the kingdom of God, Lord, let it change the way we think. Let it change the way we live. That God, even though you have given us this incredible gift of salvation, God, to walk it out, to live it, to embrace, it's gonna cost us something. I pray, God, put your finger on the heart of every person in this room of what you've called them to embrace or to give up, to sacrifice, to pay the incredibly high price to purchase the greatest treasure they'll ever own, the kingdom of God. And if you're here today and you've never said yes on the front end to this idea that salvation is free, I just want you to know it is. All you have to do right where you are is just believe to put your faith in the one who loves you enough that he paid tremendous price. And so all across this room, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to God's grace and to God's forgiveness, if you'll do that, he'll meet you right where you are regardless of where you've been and regardless of your struggles, if you'll say yes, he'll meet you where you are. And so as I close this in prayer, if you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? I want to say yes today to God's grace. I want to, I want to give my life to him. I want to experience his forgiveness. If you're here, you're watching online, right where you are, you can say yes. If you're here, I want you to lift a hand and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today, I want to say yes to God's grace. Today, I want to say yes to his forgiveness. All over this room, if that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high as I close. I'm going to close this together in one prayer. If that's you, come on, lift a hand real high. Say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Today, I want to follow Jesus. Today, I want to give my life to him. Today, I want to say yes to the grace that he offers. Come on, is there anybody here? Lift a hand real high. Lift it up real high. Let me see it and just leave it up for one second. Thank you. Thank you. I see all the way in the back. Anybody else? I want everybody to pray this prayer with me as we close. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you did all that was necessary to purchase me and to provide the gift of salvation. Now help me to pay the price to live the costly life of following you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today?